Thank you, Lord. You know that there is a parallel between the spiritual world and the natural world. And what happens in the, what happens in the spiritual world happens in the natural world. So uh, we're, we're at a time of the year when we're celebrating independence. Well, what are we celebrating independence for? Well, um, this, doesn't re- this, uh, this isn't what it's for, but if, you, if you've ever been down to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., there's a little spot on there that talked about that they were, the, the soldiers of World War II were fighting this battle to deliver people from tyranny. Uh, the Revolutionary War, which is 1770, July 4th, 1776, when the Declaration of Independence uh, was signed, um, was actually an act to deliver the United States from tyranny. Well, do you know that there is, in the spirit world, there is a tyrant that tries to bring people under tyranny. And so what happens in the, in the spiritual also bleeds over into the, into the natural world. And Jesus Christ has come to deliver us from tyranny. Now, if, we've, if we're saved, we're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we are freed from that tyranny. The only problem is, is that uh, the way we got under, under tyranny was by listening to lies. If we continue to listen to lies, then we can come under the influence of tyranny, even though we are delivered from tyranny. And how many of you know people, there are still people in the world that are still under tyranny? Okay? There's people in the world that are still under tyranny, and we are commissioned to deliver them, to bring them to a place to where they can receive the one who has set them free from tyranny. Can I get an amen? Yes. Hallelujah. How many of you know that you are commissioned to, do, to get people freed from tyranny. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Well, uh, part of the thing we have to do uh, to be delivered from tyranny is to have a right mindset. Part of that right, and, and a right mindset comes by, by repentance. Now, some of you might, when I say repentance, some of you might get the idea, well, that's going to the altar, confessing all my sins, crying a little bit, and then maybe God will accept me enough so that I can be received. The, re- the reality is, is we don't, that's not the repentance I'm talking about. Jesus, when he talked about repentance, he, is, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The repentance that he's talking about is a changing of the mind. It's a changing of the mind. I change my thoughts to align with the kingdom of God. All right, so I'm gonna be, uh, you know, I was reading a book in the Bible that I don't know, that I hadn't read for a long time. I've read through the Bible a number of times, but there's some Bible, some books that you're just not as um, uh, 
They're not your favorite. You know what I mean? You know, Job's not one of my favorites. But I do like the end of the book. Because a lot of people, were, boy, I'm just, don't go there, Stephen. Don't go there. But at the end of the book, Job has to repent because of his pride. He says, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. But yet we're, th- you know, uh, people say, well, he was perfect. Yeah, he was, all, he, was all, he was okay. But he did have an attitude. Anyway, so I want to read, uh, the, uh, I was reading through Ezekiel. Because Ezekiel has a, a parallel book in the New Testament. There's some sections of Ezekiel that has a parallel book in the New Testament, and that's the book of John. And I love the book of John. So I want to read you some scriptures uh, that relate from Ezekiel that relate to the New Testament. Okay, say New Testament. I want to uh, start in chapter 36. And... uh, I want to say God likes growth. God likes growth. God likes, God likes a lot of people. For God so loved the world. He likes people. Do you like people? Part of our repentance uh, has to come in line with the way God thinks. If you don't like people... Now, there's been times I didn't like people, but I had to repent. Sometimes I don't like people when I'm driving, (laughs) you know. There's just different times. And so I have to repent. I have to, and you know what confession is? Confession means to say the same thing. So when I confess, I'm not just whining and crying because I've done bad. I am confessing that I am lining up with the way God thinks. I'm lining up with the way God thinks. So did you find Ezekiel? Did your pages stick together when, uh, when you opened it up? Did you have to go to the front of the book to find out where it was at? Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah, that's right. We don't have Bibles anymore. We got, uh, we got iPhones, and the Bible's on there. We'll get a nap that sounds like pages are flipping. That helps. <laughs> Do you know that, you know, uh, a lot of times when we talk about prophecy, we think about prophecy just coming to people. Do you know that God not only prophesied to people, he prophesied the land. You know that you can prophesy to your land. You can prophesy to your... I hear, I hear people all the time, Christians, pastors. I hear them prophesying, this is a tough area. Yeah. This is a tough area. There's witchcraft. There's this. There's that. There's, there we're all, all the time prophesying. I quit doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't say this is a hard area. I don't because I don't want to prophesy something to the land because what you say you have. So I'm not going to prophesy to where I live to curse it. Right. Amen. Good preaching. But he says in Ezekiel, 
He says in um, da, 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 verse, verse, well, I think it's verse 9, the, or verse 10, actually. He says, I will, I'm not reading from the King James, but he says, I will greatly increase the population of Israel. I believe there's a parallel between this and the church. So let's say it this way. I will greatly increase the population of the church. I will greatly increase the population of the body of Christ. I don't know about you. I don't believe God wants us, that he's coming to rescue a small body of Christ. For God so loved the world, he's not looking to leave people behind. I believe that in the latter days, there's going to be a great revival to bring people in to the kingdom of God. You know, people are going to have to want to go to hell to stay out of heaven. Because God is because God is going to pour out his love, he's going to pour out his mercy, he's going to pour out his compassion, and they are going to have to resist it. They're going to have to resist it to miss heaven. How many of you have ever resisted God? I will greatly increase the population of Israel and the ruined cities will be rebuilt and filled with people. So God likes people. Turn to somebody and say, God even likes you. Now, if you don't do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing I'm looking at you. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, God even likes you. All right. Okay, now I can go on. I feel good. You know, when people don't respond, I'm thinking they're not getting it. So I want you to get it, so I got to keep doing it. That's not true. If you get it, hallelujah. So he goes on to say, in the latter part of verse 11, he says, I will bring people to live on you once again. He is not speaking to people. He's speaking to the land. Listen to this. I will bring people to live on you once again. I will make you even more prosperous than you were before. He's not talking to people. He's talking about land. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think he could talk to businesses like that? Mm -hmm. Are we prophesying prosperity to our business or are we prophesying curse to our business? Are we prophesying good to our land? God so loved the world, he loves the people. You know, he even likes the ball he made. God even likes the ball he made. He's going to redeem it completely. We think it's our ball. It's his ball. He can take his ball and go home. I will bring people to live on you once again. I will make you even more prosperous than you were before. Then you will know that I am the Lord. A lot of people think that uh, when he takes it away from it, it takes it away, it's God. He says, no, you're going to know it's God because I'm prospering you. Amen. He says, and I will cause people to walk on you once again, and you will be their inheritance. Yeah, that's good. 
prophesy to your land, prophesy where you live, prophesy to Millersburg, prophesy to Halifax, prophesy to Elizabethville, prophesy to Lycans, prophesy to Grass, prophesy where Williamstown, wherever you live, prophesy, Wiccanesco, prophesy. Oh, this is just a depressed area, you know, ever since the coal died. Well, bless God, God is not just, God's not just uh, limited by coal. God can change it around. He can do a new thing. As a matter of fact, he said in his word, I will do a new thing. You know that there are cities that were dependent upon certain industries that have revitalized themselves. They were dependent upon steel and they went into a depression, but they have remade themselves. They've retooled themselves and they've become prosperous once again. Hallelujah. Let's go over to verse uh, 25. This is actually talking to people now. This is where it deals with the new covenant. He said here, he says, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart. It's talking to people. I will give you a new heart. Does this remind you of anything like uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are, are become new. Why? Because you have a new heart. Amen. You've got a new heart. You just got to renew your old mind. But you've got a new heart. He says, and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony heart and stony heart of sin and I will give you, uh, give you a new obedient heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will obey my laws and do whatsoever I command you. Now, notice this. This is, this is where we need a real change in our thinking. Notice verse 32. Remember, says the sovereign Lord, I am not doing this because you deserve it. Wow, that's powerful. Because there's a lot of people in the body of Christ, a lot of Christians think that they have to deserve something before God will ever do anything. Now, I'm not saying live, any, live a life of hell and expect God's blessing, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is, is that God wants to do it. You don't have to deserve it to get it. You know, you, if you're waiting on, uh, waiting on being saved because you deserve it, you're not going to get it. He's not doing it because he, you deserve it. He's doing it because he loves you and you have responded to his love. You've responded to his love. You know, if God says something one time, it's important, don't you think? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. But he said it actually several times here. I'm trying to find it again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, anyway, it's in here. I just don't have time to get to it. 
But notice he said, I'm going to give you a new spirit and you're going to be able to do what I've commanded. I like what it says because, you know, and a lot of times when we think of commands, we immediately go back to the law. You know, they asked me to preach, I think it's twice a year at the Polk apartment. And uh, maybe it's once a year, but twice, it could be twice. But I was in there this Thursday. And I was sitting, sitting in the front row. I was waiting for people to come in so I could minister to them. And they had, somebody had made these two cardboard tablets of the Ten Commandments. And I'm looking at them. And I'm, the thought came to me, I've broken every one of those. <laughs> and then the thought came to me, I've even broken more than them. <laughs> so, you know, the scripture says that you will not be saved because you keep the law. Because you've already broken them. It's not just, well, at a certain point, you know, now I expect you to keep the law. No, if you broke the law, you broke the law. So I'm looking at that and I'm thinking I've broken every one of those laws and some more that are not mentioned in the 10. <laughs> and so I get up and, you know, uh, you got to be careful with, 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 with some people. I might even need to be careful with you. I don't know. But... Um, I was thinking, should I tell these people I've broken every one of them? <laughs> so I said, you know what? Uh, you know, I was preaching. And then all of a sudden I turned around. And I said, I said, you see the Ten Commandments up there? I was looking at them and I said, they, it dawned on me that I've broken every one of those. Now some of, you are think, now some of you are trying to remember what are the Ten Commandments? What did he do? <laughs> well, there's one on there you shall not murder. But the scripture says that if you hate somebody, you have murdered them. So I qualify for that. Now I've repented. Okay. It's under the blood. But in the past, I, you know, so if you want to try to figure it all out, I've broken every one of them plus some that aren't there on the 10. So I was telling these people there and they're real quiet. They're not real loud anyway. But you know, there's some silence that is deeper than others. <laughs> so I'm in one of those deep, the deep six. I, I'm there, you know, I'm, I'm in it. And I asked him, I said, have any of you broken any of these? Now they didn't answer. I didn't need an answer. I already knew. Already knew. It's by grace we are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That was just the uh, introduction. I'm going to ask uh, Rebecca. Where's Rebecca at? So um, I was wondering if I could spend some time with you. 
Um, can I please spend some time with you today? Do I need an appointment to spend time? Can I please, please spend some time with you? Please, I need to spend some time with you. I can't breathe any longer without spending time with you. Please. I guess you're desperate enough. Thank you. How many of you have thought you had to be desperate to get God to respond to you? To be honest with you, it doesn't take much for her to get my attention. You can ask Melody. We were just talking about this the other day. She said, you'll do anything for her. You just call out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running to see you again Oh baby, don't you know about Winter, spring, summer, or fall All you got to do is call And I'll be there, yeah, yeah, yeah You've got a friend. You've got a dad. Now let's relate that on a spiritual level. Doesn't it say in Romans chapter 8, it says, We have not received the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. So, you know, in our religion, in our teaching, and I've understand, I've even probably even preached this myself, that we've got to be desperate for God. But the reality is, is God was the desperate one. He died for you. He was the one that would. We, do you ever see the, the, the Michelangelo painting of, uh, in the Sistine Chapel? We have a little section of it in our living room, but it's God reaching out his finger and man limp is limp. That's our response. We had no strength. We have no strength. We don't even, we couldn't be desperate enough if we tried. The reality is, is he is, he's reaching for us. He's reaching for us. He's longing for us. Hallelujah. I want us to, uh, I want us to look at uh, Luke chapter 11. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 11. I'm still in the introduction. So that means, thank you, Jesus. Is you, well, I'm not keeping you. There's one thing I like. I like, I'm a punctual guy. You know, when they say it's over, it's over. <laughs> Did I say Luke 11? Why am I in John? Hallelujah. Now I'm in Matthew. Now I'm in Mark. Come on. Luke 11. There we go. Luke 11:13. Sure you're probably familiar with it. Luke 11:13 he says, if in, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now he goes on before that in verse 9, he says this, I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I remember a song years ago. It goes like this. Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you will find. Ask and you'll be given. Grandma's singing with me. She knows. <laughs> the key to this world of mine. Anyway, it's Dean Martin. But um, we, all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask. Now you say, well, I've already, I've already got the Holy Ghost. I've already got the Holy Spirit. But the reality is, is there's more than one filling. Mm-hmm. Say, well, I've, I've received the Holy Ghost. I speak in tongues. So what? Do you, you have all of God that you need, that you want? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace. Do you have all the peace you want? Good, I I have some response over here. I might just stay. (laughs) Righteousness, peace, and joy. Yeah, you have all the joy you want? You have all would you like some more joy? Well, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. We want the filling. All we have to do is ask. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, let me ask you a question. Now, we've already, we've already done the illustration of desperation, but how about desire? Do you desire, you know, if you don't desire something, is God that interested in giving you something you don't even desire? Just a thought. Mark 11, 24. King James, I'm going with King James this time. Because he says, what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. A lot of time, you know, sometimes we get in a routine. And we just, we can pray without even thinking. We can pray with, uh, we can pray our mantra. But are we really desiring what we're praying? Is the question. Because Jesus said, what things soever you desire. I want more of the Holy Spirit. Because I want more righteousness. I I don't want just righteousness in me. I want righteousness in my surroundings. 
I want to go somewhere and bring righteousness with me. You can bring righteousness with you. Like Peter, when he was walking down the street, they brought, they brought sick people in the road so that the shadow of Peter, when it came on them, they'd be healed. That's the kind of righteousness I'm talking about. The, the right, and it wasn't, I, I believe it was more than just a shadow. I believe it was the aura of the Holy Spirit, the aura of righteousness, that because the kingdom of God was within him and around him, the, when, they, when they got in the presence of that, it brought the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Some of us are trying to get joy without the Holy Spirit. Some of us are trying to get peace without the Holy Spirit. But if we, but if we are after the Holy Spirit, it's not that hard. God's not keeping him from us. What is the, the, the Hebrew word? And the Greek word for spirit are exactly the same thing. It's wind and breath. Now, I found out that if I would just focus my attention on him, then, then the manifestation of him comes. All right, so I'm going sh- to show you a little secret. When I did that, I thought about the Holy Spirit. And I know he's ever present with me because he will never leave me nor forsake me. So I just bring my attention and my focus back on him and he's there. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that with the Holy Spirit, you live an advantaged life. You have an advantage. Yes. You have an advantage. Thank you, Jesus. What do you mean I have an advantage? Well, Jesus said it himself. It is to your advantage that I go away. That seems, that seems rather odd to me. For years, I thought, Jesus, how could they, how could they have you with them? But Jesus could only be in one place at one time. But now we have an advantage because Jesus and the Holy Spirit can be anywhere that you are. You know, I happen to notice you're not with me when I go to bed, you're not with me when I go to the bank. You're not with me, you know, when I go to the store. You're not with me. Why? Because you're somewhere else. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit's with me when I go to, when I, go to uh, I went to the market, the, the farmer's market. When I go to the farmer's market, I'm looking for people. I'm not just looking for food. <laughs> I'm looking for people that Jesus wants to talk to. And so I'm saying, come Holy Spirit. But you know, you could be somewhere else. And the Holy Spirit's with you. And you say, come Holy Spirit. Show yourself. Speak to me. 
Lord, and he will speak to you and he will manifest himself to you. When Jesus was here, that couldn't happen. They had to be all gathered around Jesus to see things happen. But now we don't have to be all together because we have an advantage. You are an advantaged people. He says, because it's your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the helper, the comforter, the strengthener, the standby, the advocate will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. Now, I know these are familiar scriptures, but you know, just because they're familiar doesn't mean you got it. In Ephesians, it says, be filled with the Spirit. But that's not a one-time deal. Yes, right. You know, I've been to Outback before. And I got filled up. I love the blooming Onion. I love the sauce more than I love the blooming Onion, but the combination is wonderful, isn't it, Larry? It's wonderful. As a matter of fact, Larry and I, I think we've been together years ago. He likes them Aussie fries. Get them Aussie fry. He'd get the Aussies. I'd get the blooming Onion. We'd just commune together. Even get, maybe even get some meat, you know. We left there full. But you know what? I didn't stay full. I could go back again. As a matter of fact, I think when we came back from the, uh, we came, yeah, we came back from Florida. We'd gone somewhere, and uh, we were at the airport, and man, there was a, an outback there. So Melody says, where do you want to eat? <laughs> I'm, as I'm walking towards it. And the first thing I get was a blooming onion with the horseradish sauce. That filled me up. But you know what? I'm, I'm thinking about it again. <laughs> Just even talking to you, I'm thinking about it. I'm not going to get it today, but uh, I'm thinking about it. Well, I was filled with blooming onion and, and, a, and a hamburger. I got a hamburger that time. But you know what? I need to be filled again. Be filled with the Spirit. Well, I got it, Pastor. I, I remember I got it, uh, you know, back in 1976. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> That's when I got it. I got, my, I got it in 1976, but the reality is, is I've gone back to the table over and over and over and over again. Why? Because I want a fresh filling. Thank you, Lord. So it's to your advantage. You know, remember, I'm preaching this to the, to the poke apartment. This is my poke apartment sermon. <laughs> but it's not anything like what I did on Thursday. Why is it to your advantage? Because you have a greater one in you. You are not at a disadvantage. You know, I hear, I, I hear Christians a lot. I've heard, you know, I've probably uh, done this myself. 
Oh man, I got, I got to believe God. Pray with me for a better job. Everybody around me is, is a heathen. Why do you think God put you there? So that not everybody would be a heathen. I remember uh, if you watch the band of brothers, uh, you know, they were at Bastogne. This is true. They were at Bastogne. They were surrounded by the Germans. And the Germans, you know, were sending these notes about surrendering. And the one guy, the one general back nuts, you know. But they said, we're airborne. We're supposed to be surrounded. It didn't bother them that they were surrounded by the enemy. As a matter of fact, they got on planes. They were dropped in behind enemy lines so that they would be surrounded by the enemy. You are, when you are put into a situation where you are the only believer there, you're supposed to be there. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. That's where we have to repent and change our thinking so that we can know that the greater one's on the inside of us and he's waiting for an opportunity. He said, oh man, now I got a witness. <laughs> Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you're not in peace, just wait until peace comes. If you're not in joy, wait until I'm surrounded. What am I going to say? Wait for peace to come and then the Holy Spirit will speak through you speak through you. I already told you this testimony. I was, you know, I went to, uh, I went to a school for three weeks this summer and um, they made us go out on the street to talk to people. You know, I'm, I'm cool and I'm cool behind the pulpit and I'm cool in my office, and I'm, you know, but man, to put me out in the middle where I got to actually talk to people So I remember, and I told you this, I'm not going to belabor it, but I went into Giant and uh, I thought, well, I'm on an assignment. I got to talk to somebody. So uh, I went to the place where you scan your own stuff because I'd bought some fried chicken, you know, and some stuff. (laughs) And so uh, I went over to the, you know, they have one cashier for like six six or eight registers. And, and I went over and I said, you know, uh, I'm going to a school and we're learning to hear the voice of God. That's supposed to be the opener. Well, she's smiling at me out of courtesy, you know. And I said, I forget what I said, but it was something to build her up. And she just, I thought, well, I did my job, but that wasn't really gonna, that didn't really work. So anyway, I went back to somewhere else and, and did it again. But it worked that time. But this week I was at the market and I was just looking around. And I waited until I had peace. And uh, I started talking to these two ladies. They, they had this stand there. Then all of a sudden, this one lady starts telling me her medical diagnosis. Ooh, I knew, I, I knew that was God. 
And I just said to her after a while, I let her talk, and I said, you know what? I said, I can pray for you, and nobody will even know I'm praying for you. We don't have to close our eyes. We don't have to bow our heads. We can just pray. I'll just pray for you. And she just looked at me and shook her head. So, hey, we're doing good. And so I prayed. Now, she had, the, she, had these situ- the, she had these things that she just couldn't find out right away. You'd have to go, go to a doctor. But I, I, you know, I prayed, and I said at the end of it, you know, we started talking again. And then at the end of it, I said, hey, I said, when you get healed, I said, start thanking Jesus. Because he's the one that did it. It was not me. So, when, the, when God does something for her, the thought will come back to her, Jesus did this, so I need to, talk, I need to thank Jesus. I didn't have to twist her arm and say, do you know? Do you know? Have you, ever, have you ever gotten under that, uh, under that conviction that you have to do something? You know, the Bible says Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You don't have to close the deal every time. I went to, a, I went to buy a truck one time. This was back in the 70s. Is that Datsun truck, that orange yeah, but I was there. So we, we went and we looked. We were looking and um, we had this real nice gentleman that was dealing with us. But, you know, we didn't want to buy right then. So we went home. We came back the next night. And as soon as we walked in the door, some high-pressure salesman hit, hits us as soon as we walked through the door. Man, I don't go for that at all. So I just, he was talking to me and I just walk on by, do, 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 walk on by. Because I don't go for high pressure. And I walked right over to that older gentleman. He could have been in his 40s. (laughs) So anyway. Yeah, probably. But, uh, and then we bought that truck. So you don't have to close the deal. I planted, Apollos watered, God give the, you know, and if you ever go to, and if you ever go, and this has happened to me, I've actually gone to people and started talking to them. And they say, what must I do to be saved? It's actually happened to me. What do I got to do to be saved? And I'm thinking, man, that was easy. <laughs> you know Why? Because somebody else had already done the planning. Somebody else had already done the, the plowing. Somebody else had already planted the seed. Man, he, and God had done the watering. And so I just came along and, and the fruit was ready to be picked. So don't get under pressure. Don't get under, don't get under pressure. <laughs> don't get under pressure. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. If you are moving in righteousness and peace 
In joy, it's a lot simpler. If you go in nervous, you'll make them nervous. You will make them nervous if you're nervous. So just relax. Just breathe. You have an advantage. Turn to somebody and say, you have an advantage. Because the greater one lives in you. And I want to, probably closing with this, but uh, I want to give you a thought. You're not an orphan. Mm -hmm. Now, we have have taught on this before and called it an orphan spirit. But I don't think it's a spirit. I just think it's a mindset. What do I mean? Let's, Let's read this. It says in John chapter 14... Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 14 and verse 15. He says this. He says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him For he dwells with you and will be in you. The reason he dwelt with them is because they weren't born again yet. But once once they were born again and the day of Pentecost came, then he came to live in them. Actually, even before that, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Okay? But then he says something very interesting. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The scripture's telling us here that he wants to eradicate our orphan thinking. The orphan believes that they're on their own. The orphan believes that they have to provide for themselves. The orphan believes that they can't trust anybody. The orphan believes that God's not going to take care of them because they've been abandoned. The orphan believes that they're always going to be abandoned. But Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans I will come to you. And it's been taught in the past that that is a spirit, but in reality, it's more of a mindset that has to be repented of. Repented, and what I mean by repented is change what you're thinking. Stop thinking that way and start thinking according to the kingdom. Hallelujah. So he said he He's going to dwell in you. And what that talks about there is an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. That doesn't mean you don't need the rest of the church. But that means that in, when you're not around the rest of the church, you are going to have him with you. The the reality is, is from the very beginning, God had one plan, plan A. Plan A was that he was going to 
dwell with his people. What did he care? He created a, a perfect place to live. He put man in it and said, I want you to tend it and keep it and guard it. Now, if there wasn't something there that, uh, there wasn't something there that needed to be guarded, he wouldn't have told them not to guard it. And so, you know the rest of the story. Satan comes along and he lies to them. He says, hath God said. When he said that, that put a question mark in their minds as to whether they could trust God. They immediately lost the thought that God was good. Immediately. They started believing the serpent instead of believing so. They lost that intimacy, but God throughout the ages is bringing us back to intimacy. He's bringing us back to where he wants us to live with him and he live with us permanently. Permanently. So, Remember, man, I'm going to open a can of worms, but hallelujah. This will get you to think. You remember Jesus, uh, the Pharisees were saying, what sign do you give us? You know, what sign do you give us? And Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. Well, their mind went to the building. But let me ask you a question. Who built that? What was that building called? That building was called Herod's Temple. Do you know Herod was a Gentile? He remodeled and built on to the temple because he was trying to win favor with the Jews. It was actually called Herod's Temple. Do you really think that God lived in that temple. Yeah, but when Jesus died on the cross, it split, you know, the, the, the curtain was rent. That was just symbolic. Jesus said, destroy this temple. Where was the temple of God? He was the temple of God. Where was the glory of God? He was manifesting the glory of God. And then... He, after he rises from the dead and he, and he says to them, he says to them that you are going to be the temple of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be the temple of the Holy Spirit so that the glory of God can manifest through you. God's not going back to sticks and stones. God's not going back to a brick building. God is living in flesh and blood and bone because he, his spirit is inside of you. He's not going back. So, Lord, show us your glory. He says it's already in you. Man, just getting started. Do you know he said in that same chapter, so I'm not lying. I said I was going to quit. The same chapter. 
He said, if you ask anything in my, in my name, I will do it. The works that I do, that will you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. Why? Because he was going to send the Holy Spirit on the believer so that the glory of God could be manifested to them. Same chapter, verses 1 and 2, John 14. What does he say? He says, um, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe, in, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. So our minds are thinking, hey, I got a mansion. I got a mansion in glory. Can't wait to get there. That's not the mansion. He's, he's not talking about that. He's talking about in my Father's house. Whose house is it? It, this isn't a court trick question. It's the Father's house. Where's the Father going to live? In His house. Papa God is going to live in His house. He's, he's preparing, Jesus is preparing many rooms so that Papa can live in His house. So that the glory of God can be manifested. How is, how is the kingdom of God, how is God going to spread throughout the world without his glory being there? You are, you are containers of the glory of God. Oh, Lord, get me out of here. No, that's not the plan. Yeah, I believe Jesus is coming back. Yeah, praise God. I believe Jesus is coming back. But the reality is, is while we're still here, we're here to manifest the glory of God. Yes. Yes, the glory of God. Thank you, Jesus. So that he can overpower the one who has put people in tyranny. So that he can cause us to heal the sick because they are under the tyranny of the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. You say, well, what if God caused it? He didn't cause it. That's right. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Exactly. You remember that woman that, uh, that was bent over for uh, how many years? 13, 16 years, she could not stand up. Jesus healed her and said, this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, shouldn't she be delivered on the Sabbath? Hallelujah. So do you know what? You are soldiers to liberate people from tyranny. You are here to, you are liberators. I like what they called one of the air, airplane. There was an airplane in World War II they called the liberator. But you know what? You are liberators. You are empowered with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, you know, I kind of feel dry. You shouldn't have said that. I was going to let you go. <laughs> yeah, I kind of 
Be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And again, that word filled is a refilling, refilling, refilling. More Jesus. More Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now for the power of the Holy Spirit being released. We thank you that we are people of an advantage. We have an advantage. We are people with the greater one on the inside of us. We are people that are not orphans. We are part of the family, and we prophesy to our surrounding area that this is not a hard place. This is a good place. This is a place where the glory of God is manifested. This is a place where people are going to flock to the Lord because God is going to repopulate this area with his people. We give you thanks and praise and honor and glory in the name of Jesus. I'm just going to ask a couple of questions, and I want you to think about it. Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm not talking about a past experience. I'm talking about a now. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want more? Do you desire? Lord, your word says what things soever we desire when we pray, believe that we receive them and we shall have them. We just give you thanks and praise. We desire more. We desire, Lord God, just to to every breath that we take as a reminder, Lord God, that you are filling us afresh and anew with the greater one. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask, is there anybody here that that is in need of, of healing? Is there anyone here that is in need of refreshing? Anybody here have any pain in their body? Thank you, Lord. Are you coming for healing? Okay. Can I have my healing team come up? Thank you, Lord.